G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill. Thanks for joining me. In this episode on Today with Jeff Vines, we continue Pastor Jeff's message from Philippians 2 about what tragedy can teach us and how to support believers who are experiencing times of trial. Be warned, he says these messages might be a bit frustrating, a challenge and really make you think. If you've missed any messages so far in this series, you can catch up wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. But for now, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's message. The thing that's really helped me in this And the thing that the Bible teaches through stories like Jairus' daughter, which I'm not going to go into. I've already covered that. But if you just imagine the world full of dots, and every dot, billions of them, represents a life, every life impacts another to some degree in close proximity. Everything that happens to me impacts you. Everything that happens to you impacts people around you. And so God, in His infinite wisdom, is the only one that is able to to know what has to happen in every dot for all dots to be pulled upward toward him. It doesn't mean that every dot will be. Some people will still use their freedom to reject God. But God knows that every event that happens in every life impacts not only you, but impacts people around you. And the reality is that sometimes what happens to you is not for you. It's for somebody else. Now, The thing that's really helped me in this and the thing that the Bible teaches, just imagine the world full of dots and every dot, billions of them represents a life. Every life impacts another to some degree in close proximity. Everything that happens to me impacts you. Everything that happens to you impacts people around you. And so God in his infinite wisdom is the only one that is able to To know what has to happen in every dot for all dots to be pulled upward toward him. It doesn't mean that every dot will be. Some people will still use their freedom to reject God. But God knows that every event that happens in every life impacts not only you, but impacts people around you. And the reality is that sometimes what happens to you is not for you. 
It's for somebody else. Now, I've seen in my own life, sometimes the illness of a father will bring the children to God. Sometimes the death of a mother will turn the hearts of the children toward each other. Sometimes the loss of a job will catalyze faith and trust in God's provision. And only God is wise enough to bounce all these little dots all together to accomplish his ultimate purpose. This is what I've been trying to say for a long, long time, going back to Sam Gamgee in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where he asked that question when he really discovers that Gandalf, his friend that he thought was dead, is actually alive. He asked the question, does that mean that one day is everything going to become untrue? And the answer, of course, for the Christian is yes. All those times that appeared to be senseless in your life, all those times where no good seemed to come out of anything, all those times that seemed to be a waste, was because you're not God. But one day you'll see how God put all the little dots together and how every event in every life worked together to fulfill his ultimate purpose. Every event. You'll see how they're connected. How God's good and perfect plan... In other words, from a total philosophical point of view, the pain that you're experiencing is not a waste. It is for the glory and the work of God. You say, I have a hard time with that. Well, I go back to the cross one last time. Did it appear that evil was winning? Did it appear that God had lost control? Did it appear that the disciples would never recover? Did it appear that a senseless, meaningless crime had been committed? Did it appear that a sinless, righteous man had been murdered for no good cause? That's why the cross is brilliant in the mind of God. And it is the ultimate, ultimate answer to all pain and suffering. Because when all seems lost, all is one. Now, where does that leave us? Okay, now, that that was the abstract part. Where does that leave us? And what does this have to do with renovation? Everything. Everything. This is it. Jesus replied to John back in our passage with Nicodemus. Very truly, this is John 3, 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What I have begun to understand over the course of years of study, and I'm sure that some of you have been Christians a long time, longer than me, longer than I, you know this too. That the real test of authentic faith, of being born again, is that you're able to see things that people can't see in the midst of trials and suffering. And that's why if you're not born again, there's no way you're ever going to take it. Because you don't see the kingdom. But when you see the kingdom, you're like Corey Tin Boom, who's in the hellish situation of a concentration camp, who says no matter how deep the pit of despair, his love is deeper still. How do you do that? You're born again. You see things. You see a reality that others don't see. It's almost like in the Bible, the real test of being born again, the real test of a renovated heart is when your heart begins to trust God. I didn't say you don't doubt. I didn't say you don't suffer. I didn't say you don't have pain and crying and weeping. But ultimately, down deep inside somewhere where it really matters, you know that God has shifted the wind. What? I tell you, That no one can see the kingdom unless he's born again. And then, I'm not going to put it on the screen yet, but he says to Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's come from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, it took us a long time to get there. Stay with me. Go back to Philippians 2.13 now. Took us a long time to get there. Here's what it says. The first part of the verse says this, that we are to work out our own salvation. Cartagher's am I. 
which is a word basically that means this. Bring to completion your salvation. Why were you saved? According to the Bible, were you saved to get you to heaven? Yes and no. The ultimate purpose of you being saved is to make you like Jesus. And the Bible says that your job, there are two entities. Your job is to respond to the work of God. But here's what God's job is. And this is where all of this comes together. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Greek word there, works, is energes. It's the word for divine energy. It's the Holy Spirit's work in you. But thelo is a very interesting word. It says to will. And the idea is that God makes a choice. And then he acts accordingly. I know of another explanation for this verse than this. That it is God who decides what he's going to allow into your life and what he's going to prevent from entering your life. Not you. And whatever God decides to allow or to prevent, your job is to receive it, embrace it, and allow God to do his work. Now, folks, I want to tell you, this is an unpopular message today. To help me understand this, and we're already near the end, so stay with me here. This is a Thomas Kincaid painting that I was given about 15 years ago. It's one of my favorite paintings. Because according to Scripture, the ocean is the world. The boat is your life. And the wind is the Spirit of God coming from all different directions. And here's how this works. If you've got a motorboat... In a motorboat, you're in control. You start the engine. You control the speed. That's why I love James Bond movies. They always have a motorboat race in every single one of them. And I love the one in Roger Moore's A Live or Let Die through the swamps of New Orleans. In a speedboat, you're in control. This is not a speedboat. You're in total control. You start the engine. You control the speed. You just about control everything. But not in a sailboat. In a sailboat, it's a different story. You're not passive. You have a definite role to play. You do have to hoist the sail. But it is God who sends the wind. And without the wind, you're dead in the water. There's no forward movement. You are utterly dependent upon the wind. Jesus says that when the wind blows, the wind of the Spirit blows, you don't know where it's going to come from. You don't know where it's headed, which means you don't know where it's going to blow you. But your job is always the same. Wherever the winds of the Spirit blow into your life, your job is to hoist the sail and allow God to take you into waters, even when they are troubled. Jeff, are you telling me that part of renovation of my heart may hurt a little? No. It may hurt a lot. Do you know the Greek word for pain? Parasmos and thlipsis. Both of them, the etymology of those words, the history of those words, is a vineyard owner removing his shoes and stomping on the grapes until the good stuff comes out. (laughs) Which means that God reserves the right at seasons in your life to take off his shoes and step on you and squeeze you until the good stuff comes out. Because the ultimate goal for your life is to make you like Jesus. And sometimes what happens to you has nothing to do with you, but people around you. But we know it's okay for God because we're told we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. 
And we know that he'll give us a prevailing presence. See, part of us wants to say to God, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to decide what gets into my life and what does? Who? And what would he say? Well, I'm the giver and sustainer of all life. That's all. In times when the winds of the Spirit blows your life into troubled waters, God says, hoist the sails. Because I'm doing a work. You don't see it. You may never see it. You trust it. You will hurt, you will cry, you will question, you will beg, and you will plead, but you will also trust. Because it's Christ in you. And you will continually look at the cross to know that when all seems lost, all is one. It is the only answer I can give you. And so you live by faith that God is going to complete his work. That's why Paul told the Philippians, even when he was in prison, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of redemption or the day of Jesus Christ. I used to pray that God would do whatever he needs to do so that my children may see him. God, do whatever you have to do in my children's life so that they can see you. As I got older, I thought, you know, I don't think that's a very clever prayer. I think I need to reword that. (laughs) Because when Saul of Tarsus saw God, he had to be blinded, lose his eyesight, be totally dependent on other people to restore him. And then he lived a life of just torture and punishment. He was shipwrecked, exiled. He was beaten in prison. I mean... 40 lashes he received nine times. I mean, here's a guy that suffered immensely. And yet, he knew God more than anyone else. There is a part of you that as difficult as it's going to be, when the winds of the Spirit blow you into troubled waters, you are called upon by God to submit. I know you don't want to hear that. 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. The person who is not born again will never be able to do this because they don't see the kingdom. And you will live with hatred, bitterness, and frustration. And sorrow will be central, joy only peripheral. And please don't tell me. Please don't say, Jeff, you don't understand. Because I've lost both my parents at a young age. I've lost a child of my own. I have suffered from mental illness that for some reason God granted me a victory over after three years. So don't tell me that I'm clueless about tragedy. But I do know this. Trust Faith and submission reveals that you are indeed born again. When you're able to do that, I didn't say you're perfect, but when you're able just to stand strong, I know you're going to doubt, you're going to worry, you're going to cry, you're going to weep. All of those things are reality, man. And there's a time for those things, but ultimately down deep inside, you know in your heart, you're good with God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you that your response to that is the test of who you really are. 1 Peter 1, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have suffered grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, I find that to be a hard passage. Not, not the, just the reality that the real you will be revealed when the rug is pulled out from under you, what you really believe in. What I find difficult about this is 
I think I've used the illustration before when my, my mother, on a few occasions I can remember her waking me up at like 3 o'clock in the morning and just weeping and hugging me because she had had a dream that, that I had been killed or something bad had happened. So what do moms do? It's so real to them, they just run into the bedrooms of their kids and just hug them. And of course, when you're a kid, you're thinking, Mom, get, get, a, get a grip, man. What's going on? I'm trying to sleep here. Until you have kids of your own and you have a dream that something happened to them. And what do you find yourself doing? Going in the room, opening the door. Are they okay? Are they okay? When you've lost something, the return of what you have lost means that much more to you. Mom didn't come and hug me every day. It wasn't typical for mom to hug me just when she thought she had lost me. When you lose something and what you lost is restored, it makes it that more meaningful. Do you know this passage is saying that the things we lose here will make our worship of God that more intense when he replaces what we have lost to an infinitely greater degree. So when I see my mom in heaven, the, the intense worship of God, think about, think about Somebody you've lost, and the reality hits you that, okay, I've lost them, but it's a temporary loss. I will see them again. Whatever seas you find yourself in, here's what you do not know. You do not know if God sent it, or allowed it, or even if you brought it on yourself. Ooh, that's a painful one. But Hebrews 10, 12, 10 says, They disciplined us for a little while as though they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Sometimes God disciplines us that we may become conformed to the image of Christ, that we might be sanctified. Sometimes you have seas of correction. Other times you have seas of perfection. And it's very difficult to know which one's happening. But the calling on your life is the same. Hoist the sails, embrace the rough seas, and let God do His work in you. You say, but how do I do that, Jeff? I've got to tell you, I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is worth gold. Because the only way you're going to be able to survive, whatever it is that you're surviving, is 24 hours at a time. When you try to guess what's going to happen tomorrow, or 10 years from now, or 20, you're going to live with bitterness, hatred. But when you say, you know what? Tomorrow I will live with trust in God. And then I'm going to get up the next day. I'm going to live with trust in God again. And I'm going to see why God, over time, has blown the ship of my life into difficult seas. I guess what I'm trying to say is in the roughest, toughest waters of our lives, that's where we meet God. And if you really want God to change you from the inside out, you've got to be willing for him to put you in situations where you're at the very end of yourself. The very end, I mean the very end end, to where you call on God in tears. And the Bible says that God comes to you as redeemer, as revealer, as comforter. And you'll be able to see God the way you've never seen him, feel things you've never felt before, and do things you never thought you could do. And in the midst of all of that, God changes you from the inside out and you'll never be the same. Did you know that Mother Teresa, living and working in Calcutta, and there's been, there's been so much information released about Mother Teresa, and every time I mention Mother Teresa, I always get a few emails. Why are you talking about Mother Teresa? She was Catholic. <laughs> yes, you're hearing waves. Mother Teresa 
was very uh, open with some people about her struggle with God because of all the pain and the suffering that she saw on the streets of Calcutta. We're talking about poverty like you can't imagine. People living in cardboard boxes, that's the totality of their life until they die. She held many babies that would not be alive the next day. And she struggled to feel God at times in her life. But do you know, the rest of the Mother Teresa story is coming out pretty soon. Do you know the last four words Mother Teresa uttered before she died? I love you, Jesus. In the midst of the most difficult seasons of her life, she found him. And she loved him. What's not to love about the one who restores all that has been lost? And who asks you, that during this season, you allow him to do what he's going to do, to act and to will and to do in you for his good purposes. Even when his good purposes may be not for you, someone else. As all of our lives bounce against each other. See, I believe at this point that Adriana changed. So I saw the amount of lives that were changed because of the way in her death, she taught us all how to live. And she will be forever remembered. God does his best renovative work in your life when he sees a storm coming. And instead of guiding your boat to calm seas, the wind shifts and he blows you right in the midst of it. That is the truth of the Bible. That I don't necessarily like that much, but that I can't change. Listen, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And there will come a time in your life when that will be peace to you, to know. No need to worry, because God will be God and will have his way with you. But that's okay. Because whatever he requires of you now, it's not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in you. And Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness. And I, I know that this is a hard message for all of us to take. I pray for comfort and strength in those who need it so desperately. I pray that in no way I would have belittled any one situation. But my heart would come out That we love them. We love each other and we don't know what to do at all times and all seasons. We have enough trouble of our own. But I pray that through waters uncharted, my soul will embark. I will follow your voice straight into the dark. And if from the course you intend I depart, speak to the sails of my wondering heart. Like the wind you'll guide. Clear the skies before me, and I'll glide this open sea like the stars. Your word will align my voyage and remind me where I've been and where I'm going. Jesus, my captain, my soul's trusted Lord, all my allegiance is rightfully yours. Jesus, my captain, my soul's trusted Lord, 
all my allegiance is rightfully yours. And so it is that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.